You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you stories that remind us who God is and who we are in Him. The Collected Podcast is a production of Collected Ministries. Follow Collected on social media at Collected Podcast. And be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and additional content related to today's episode. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 9 of The Collected Podcast. I'm your host, Jess Biondo, and I am very, very excited to bring you my interview with Jema Ann Montgomery. She is a Jamaican immigrant and an Army-trained internal medicine physician turned blogger and author. So God has done some wild things in her life to get her to where she is today. Um, And she's going to be sharing about a book that she has coming out in April. So without further ado, Jema, welcome to the show. Hi, Jess. Thank you. Thank you for being here. As we get started, um, I was wondering if you could share how you came to know the Lord and just about this journey that He's had you on. It seems like through multiple careers and quite a a diverse like path to get you where you are today. Right. Use the word wild, which is very appropriate. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was I was very prepared for this question. I've noticed your pattern in your prior interviews. And um, I mean, I have to say, at least the interviews that I've listened to, it seems like a lot of people on the show have this story of coming to know the Lord very early or mm-hmm. at a very young age. Um, and I have to say, that is not my story. Um, I did grow up in the church. Like, I wasn't unchurched. But... Um, it was very much just an activity. Um, so, you know, I attended with my parents. I was in youth group. I was familiar with common scriptures and Bible stories and so forth. And um, I would say, you know, more into middle school, high school, um, I started to care a lot more about um, uh you know, certain sermon topics, for example, the way they would hit me. And I would really think about, oh, wow, I think I'm a sinner. I think, you know, God must be angry with me. Mm-hmm. And that would would be enough to get me to the altar, but it wouldn't keep me in a place of true fellowship with the mm-hmm. Lord. And so um, there were a lot, I, I can't even count how many times I said the sinner's prayer, but I wasn't ready to commit to walking with Jesus. So really that didn't happen for me in earnest until after college. Mm-hmm. And um, I do talk a little bit about it um, in some of my writing, but uh, I would say the, the the clearest day that I can point to and say, yes, this is when I made the decision for better or worse, even though I kept stumbling, um, was when I was around 21, 22, I was driving home on the highway from an academic thing that I was doing because at the time I was studying for medical school. And um, I noticed that there was like smoke in my rear view mirror. And so I kind of just, I don't know how I responded, but it wasn't a normal response. I just kind of kept driving. (laughs) And this gentleman um, on the, uh, in the other lane waved me over. And, um, that was what got me, you know, to pull over and get out of the car. And I probably would not have gotten out of the car if he wasn't there. Well, thank God for that, because within maybe like 30 seconds of getting out of the car, the whole thing went up in flames. 
And it was so dramatic <laughs> for me that um, it really made me question, okay, was that a coincidence? Did God save me for a purpose? Am mm. I supposed to be doing more with my life? So I began to ask those kinds of questions. Um, and I just remember when my mom showed up, you know, cause I was holding it together. And then when your mom shows up, you just like lose it. <laughs> and I saw her oh, face yeah. and I saw like how close I had come, you know, to the point of death and the fact that I didn't have any assurance of what would happen after that or what my place was. Um, just didn't have a relationship um, mm. with, with the Lord. You know, he was just a distant a distant being. And so that was, that was the time when I really said, you know what, I'm going to commit and I'm going to do everything by the book. I'm going to, you know, study the Bible for myself and attend regularly and get baptized and do all the things. And I'm going to give it a year. And, you know, I basically was like, Lord, if you are a personal God who cares about me, then, you know, I won't walk away. Um, and that was kind of the, the bargain I struck, which I tell you not to do, but I did, I struck a bargain and yeah, he just started to really show up in my life in really profound ways. And so I've been on that path ever since. So that's my, my salvation story. I, I love it, man. That is powerful. I mean, God was getting your attention in a big way. Yeah, that one was hard to miss. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And I wonder if that that man who flagged you over, if he was some sort of an angel. You never know. I've I've wondered that years later. I really yeah. have. Yeah. Yeah. So as you continue to grow with the Lord, was there a time you ever questioned the path you were on? And if so, how did you wrestle through that and how did that continue to develop you? All the time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of like the female version of, um, uh, was it Jacob, you know, that wrestles, like, I feel like I want to be in control. Mm -hmm. And so I plan everything and then God just does his thing. And I either, you know, yield and say, okay, Lord, you know, you know, better than me, or I put up a fight kicking and screaming, <laughs> screaming. Um, and then he has to really um, open my eyes um, mm -hmm. to what he's doing differently. And man, there's so many examples of that, but um, I would say my career is a big one. Um, you know, when I, when I was going into medical school, that was a big battle. I didn't think I was capable. Um, I was very afraid that I was going to be like an old widow and, and never have time for, you know, a family or anything outside of medicine. Um, and uh, I really almost tried to sabotage myself. I only applied mm. to a few schools, which I mean, everybody knows you're supposed to apply to a whole bunch and only applied to a few. And um, I got into two schools and um I just kind of said, okay, God, I mean, you have me on this path, you know, hopefully, hopefully I make it. Um, right before I started medical school, about six months before that is when I met my now husband. 
Um, and we were both kind of like, ooh, this timing. <laughs> um, you know, he he would stay back in New Jersey and I would move to Virginia, you know, so we were about seven hours apart. Hmm. Um, so trusting God through that, because I really was like, well, God, why would you bring this guy into my life just to have me move all yeah. these states away? You know, um, but we were able to to power through that. And then another example I can give you is just like the specific kind of doctor that I wanted to be. So I had this plan that I was going to be a physical medicine doctor and deal with amputees and spinal cord patients and do all this cool stuff with people who've had battle injuries. And I did everything that I was supposed to do. And on paper, I was a great candidate. And three times I was told no. <laughs> Oh, wow. And after the third time, I said, okay, I, I guess, I guess this is a real no. Um, but in the end, he steered me down a different path, which is internal medicine. Um, and I discovered that actually it's a much better fit for me mm. um, because I get to think a lot, right? Thought life, that's my whole thing. So being able to think through complicated um, patient scenarios, very sick patients, elderly patients. I love elderly patients. Um, and that's like a unique ministry to be able to minister to that population and to really enjoy it. Um, and when I look back at, you know, I have colleagues who are doing physical medicine and a number of them actually really hate it. <laughs> Oh, wow. Because it's, it's turned into a lot of pain management and managing opioids and, you know, there's a lot of times they're dealing with patients that they feel kind of helpless to mm. intervene on because they're really yeah. just kind of filling their prescriptions and trying to keep them, you know, from overdosing. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, pretty early on into internal medicine training, I... I took a minute and I said, thank you, Lord. Thank mm. you for telling me no. <laughs> thank you for closing those doors. Thank you for looking ahead and knowing, you know, what I did it and, you know, directing me um, down this path that I wasn't sure about, but that has been such a blessing. Yeah. And it just reminds me of the kindness of God that He knows mm. us so much better than we know ourselves. And like the true desires of our hearts are mm. so clear to Him, even when we think we want something else. And just right. that He was like, no, I love you and I see you. And trust me, I'm going to take you down a different path. And it's going to yeah. be way better than the path you think you want. Um, I, I feel like there is someone listening out there who is in that, and it, it might not be medicine-related or career-related, but there's something you keep knocking on the door of, and you have had it closed two or three times, and I just, I don't know, I hope that this is inspiring and encouraging for that listener that, like, God is not leaving you high and dry. Maybe He's right. leading you in a different direction. Yeah. So if someone is feeling like that, do you have any wisdom or encouragement for them? Uh, the same wisdom and encouragement I try to follow myself, <laughs> which is, you know, I think sometimes we don't want to hear God's no. 
you know, like it can be pretty obvious that that's what he's saying to us. And then we stop listening. Mm -hmm. And what I've learned is that, you know, when God gives me a no, I need to wait for the and or the but or the also or instead. I mean, there's so many other things beyond that no. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I just would encourage, you know, people to really just receive it. If it's a no, just receive it. But stay where you are and listen to what else he's saying because he's still speaking he's still working out your steps Mm -hmm. um and he's not just gonna like you said leave you high and dry and just say no you figure it out no he's going to carry you to that next step and when you get there it's just gonna blow your mind and you're gonna be like you know what I'm glad I was wrong (laughs) the no is never the end that is, oh, I I feel like I needed that for myself today too. So thank you. Yeah. That is good. Um, so what happened next? So you ended up being in internal medicine and loving that. Um, are you still practicing? Because I know you're also now blogging and you're an author. And so how yeah. did all of that come to, to be? Uh, well, so... My military career, essentially, you know, I went through that. Um, they put me through medical school and training. And then I paid back my time. And then I got out at the end of 2018 and went into, you know, just a regular civilian practice. Um, we did lots of moving around, obviously, with the military. But even after we got out, um, we were up north and that wasn't the place for us. And so... Um, you know, the, the doors were open for us to move down to the Charlotte area, um, right about a year into COVID actually. And yeah, COVID really (laughs) shook things up for a lot of people, for sure. Um, it really caused me to question, you know, is this the kind of life that I want to continue living for the next 20 years? Um, and, you know, just a lot of, I don't even know how to sum it up. I mean, I've had so many hardships, but I would say one of the biggest um, challenges that um, I've, I've written about and that I talk pretty freely about is, um, you know, a long season of not being able to have children mm-hmm. and how that affected me. Um, and then having several miscarriages. Um eight to be exact. And so my son, my daughter is five. She was my seventh pregnancy. And my son, who's two, was my 10th. And so just the gift of having them in my life, um, it made me very protective of family time. And I just realized that full-time medicine was not conducive to that. And I didn't Mm. want to miss key moments in my kid's life. I didn't want other people to raise our children. And so um, when I was pregnant with my son, um, after I went back to work full time, my husband and I talked and we said, you know, this isn't working. Um, So we're going to look for an opportunity to make this work differently. And so when we relocated down here, um, thought I had my dream job. Here goes, you know, God again. 
that job totally blew up in my face. It was oh. awful. Um, I took another full-time job that blew up in my face and it was awful. Um, and I get into that quite a bit in my writing too, to be someone who is very committed to their career and doing it with integrity. Um, but to have the people around you not have integrity mm. and compromise patient care. Yeah. Um, so I had to walk away. I had to walk away. And so I ended up um, just working um, part-time with a hospital system, um, the first hospital system that I came down here to work with. And there's, there was so much work, you know, because COVID was still happening. And then all the people that were staying away from doctors because of COVID were now sicker. Um, so they were just drowning. And so there was just so much work, like more work than I needed. And so... Um, for the first time ever in my career, um, I did not sign a full-time contract. Um, I just trusted God to provide for us and he's done that. Um, it's mm -hmm. been over a year and a half, um, since I've done that. And I mean, I have flexibility. I have the ability to plan my schedule, um, and, I really took it as, as God telling me that this was the time to step back into creativity yeah. and writing. And so um, I started a master's program in creative writing just to try and hone things and, and, and get things up to, up to par. And then all this stuff that I've been writing for the past year on my blog really was just to see, do I have enough material for a book? And it turns out I have enough material for two. <laughs> yeah. um, right. Um, so, yeah, I feel like I completely meandered off of your original question. That's okay. That's what the show is for. <laughs> we can go any direction you want. You're in charge. <laughs> um, um, but all that to say, yeah, all that to say, um, yeah, it definitely, so I would not have, if you came to me and said three years ago, Jay, my year going to be um, a part-time physician, getting ready to publish a book, blogging, you know, and just feeling like you are following God's plan for your life. I would have thought you were nuts. Um, and a mom of two. In my head, yeah. yeah. Um, I, in my head, it was, nope, you're going to be a full-time physician until you retire, and that's just the way it is. But, you know, like you said, God is so compassionate, and, you know, he gave me that um, that drive and that urge to, to write from when I was young. And, you know, I thought it was just kind of a hobby. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I think this was really him nudging me and saying, no, it's more than that. This is part of how I want you to contribute to the world. I want you to write about your life and your experiences. And oh, by the way, medicine is part of that. Like, yes, it's career, but that's part of what I want you to write about. I want you to write about those hard things, yeah. um, those patients who are being neglected in nursing homes and um, mismanaged in hospitals and just the the apathy and the 
fatigue, frustration, you name it, that is setting in among doctors and mm-hmm. nurse practitioners and PAs, um, especially coming out of COVID, you know, just the burnout is really affecting um, the way that we care for people. Um, so I think that's part of what God wants me to do is he wants me to shed light on that, um, and lean on him to practice medicine differently. Yeah. Um, and to not lose compassion, which mm-hmm. is hard to do when you're exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, when you just want to get home to your kids and go to bed and it's been 14 hours, um, but that last patient still needs you to show up. Mm, um, yeah. So that's part of, I think, my gift is that God really um, provides what I need when I'm on empty um, yeah. to really be able to to minister to people um, the way that He wants them to be ministered to in that in that vulnerable space. Yes, and that's so relatable as a teacher or whatever career you're in, like bring God into that. I was feeling at my wits end with my students. I'm a sixth grade social studies teacher for my day job. And I have had to take time every day to just pray for my students and that I will rest in the Lord and rely on His strength and not my own because February feels really long as a teacher. And if I'm trying to do it in my own power, I will lose patience every time. Um, Not patience like you have. (laughs) Patience with a (laughs) C-E. Hopefully no one's losing the other kind of patience. Um, But really quick, before we get into more about the book you have coming out in April, I was wondering if you might have a word specifically for women— walking through the grief of infertility um, or miscarriages. When you said that, I mean, there I have a lot of dear friends in my life who I know are going through that. And I I haven't been married. I haven't tried to have children yet. And I, um, so I can only imagine what, what that feels like. Um, so yeah. I was just wondering if you had something for them today. Yeah, sure. Um, it's, it's a very lonely space. Um, I think that, you know, one of the ways that the enemy wins is that he convinces women who go through this that they're alone. Mm. Um, because it's something that makes you feel ashamed and like it's your fault. Um you know, and um, it's something that most people don't know how to, people don't know how to comfort you in that space. And I mean, it's it's, it's death, right? Like mm-hmm. we're uncomfortable with death. And so people don't know the right things to say and can be extremely insensitive um, in their comments and in their, um, in their desire to try and bring comfort. They can wound you. Mm-hmm. And um you know what I've what I found is that it's it's a deception. It really is. And you know the the more that I tried to retreat and deal with it on my own, the more power it had over my life. 
and the more that it distanced me from the people I needed most, mm-hmm. um, my husband, um, you know, my my best friend, um, who, I mean, very fertile. I mean, she's on her seventh kid. God bless her. Um, and we got married two days apart. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, so there was a season where I couldn't stand to have a phone conversation with her. Mm. Um, yeah. And, but I needed her, you know? Yeah. And so I would just encourage anybody who's in the middle of it, which is a space where it feels never ending. It feels like the end of the world. It feels like the only thing that is going to make your life worthwhile is a child, specifically a child from your body. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes God will say yes, um, but wait. Um, Sometimes God will say no, but um, adoption, fostering, um, you name it. Um, sometimes God is dealing with you. Mm-hmm. And it took me a really long time to realize that not that God was punishing me. I did think that for a long time, but that as much as I wanted children in that season, I was not ready. My marriage was not ready. <laughs> My husband was not ready. My life was not ready, not even close. Um, so I think about those, those children, those babies, and how devastating it was to lose them, but to know that they're, with Jesus and they're well, they're happy, they're rejoicing. Um, And the children I do have, he didn't owe me those children, Mm. right? He didn't have to say yes, but he did. And they are wonderful, but they are tough. (laughs) They are tough. They are so challenging um especially to me they have strong personalities they are exhausting i don't know that i would have been a great mother (laughs) um had they come into the world several years ago as opposed to now um and my husband and i are we're better people we're better christians um we're on the same team and we're much more equipped to deal with the challenges of like, mm. not just like having a sweet little baby to rock to sleep, but like a mouthy five-year-old, <laughs> right? Um, oh, a yeah. two-year-old whose tantrums are so epic and you'd have no idea why. <laughs> um, they just push every button, every button in the book. Um, so, you know, they don't stay babies, right? Like you don't see past that, you know, when you're yearning because your yearning Mm -hmm. is for those nurturing moments and those beautiful moments. But wow. I mean, 
there's so much more to it. And there's so many moments where you're going to feel stretched and like, wow, God, is this, is this what I was praying for? Yes. You didn't know you were praying for this. All of it. You're yeah. praying for all of it. They grow you're up. ready for all of it. Um, and that's a hard thing to receive, you know, when you're in that season. Um, but I, I hope that as someone who's walked through it so many, so many, so many times, that at the very least, if you walk away with nothing else, just recognize that harboring it and keeping it to yourself, um, hiding your pain, especially for people who love you and care, that is the worst thing mm-hmm. you can do for yourself, for your emotional health. And, yeah. um, you know, God can't heal what you won't give to him. You know, you mm-hmm. have to yield. He's not going to wrestle it from you. And so until you get to a place where you really trust that, not only that he can, but that he's willing to heal your heart, it won't happen. And so once I believed that and I saw that as devastating as it was, I wasn't utterly broken. Mm. It gave me the strength to not completely lose it when it happened again yeah, and again, because yeah. I knew that God had me and that it was okay for me to be low because I wasn't going to stay there. Does that mm. make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. And again, everything you're saying, like, I feel like I keep asking questions that are very specific. And then your answer, I'm like, this applies to everything. Like, right whatever your grief someone is walking through, you are not alone and you don't have to go through it alone. And the Lord wants to heal your heart and provide for you in ways that will blow your mind. And, you know, yeah, you are very wise. (laughs) Everything you're saying. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I am. Yeah, thank you for being so open and vulnerable about that. I know that wasn't something we had planned to talk about. And so I really, really appreciate it. And I know that was for for people out there. Um, so thank you. Um, so back to your book. Coming out April 1st. What is it? What's the title? What is it about? Why did you write it? Tell us all the things. All the things. Um so uh, the book is called Alienation, and it's uh, a memoir that I'm telling as just a collection of short stories, um, and I group them by theme. So um, the first book I titled or subtitled um, The Imitated Life, and that gets into my immigrant experience Um the assimilation process, um, some themes around race. The second part um, gets into more of my home life, my young life, um, what my family dynamic was like in a blended um, family. And then the the last part, the third part, um, gets into um, issues surrounding woman, womanhood. Um, I talk quite a bit about um, my struggles with 
um, self-image. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually developed alopecia at 21 years old. That's the whole thing. Um, and so that was very difficult. That was probably like the worst time in life for something like that to happen um, as a young adult. Um, and touch on a lot of issues pertaining to mental health as well. Um, so, I mean, it it's a lot. And so, you know, as I was writing, I realized, you know what, there's more story to tell, but I'm not done living it yet. So um, I, I went ahead and just found a nice stopping point <laughs> um, for the memoir. And um, my plan is to do the second book, which I, um, I'm going to subtitle that No Place Called Home. Mm-hmm. And that will get more into um, my military career, medicine, um, growing up as, you know, a one of the few Black evangelicals <laughs> that I know, um, and just issues surrounding political identity formation. So, mm-hmm. That book is like macro, right? This book is like micro. Um, so I'm I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited about it. I think it'll be an easy read because it's not just like one big story. It's a bunch of little stories that are really interrelated. Um, vignettes. So yeah, vignettes. So hopefully they're easier to to digest for people. Um, and it will be an ebook format. And I do plan to release an audiobook version of it as well later on this year so hopefully that'll make it easier for folks who don't really like to stare at words like I do and you have a very soothing voice I want to listen to the audiobook oh no ma'am <laughs> <laughs> I Not do me. I think your voice is lovely I love it <laughs> um but in all seriousness these books are very important like as you're describing everything you're sharing in the in each of these stories I'm genuinely very excited to read this and I think like as you were talking it was just like the I the world needs your story um and I'm not just saying that to say that like I felt that in my core as you were talking that that your journey you have been on is going to impact so many people and that this, these books are very important. And I think there will be more than two, but, you know, time will tell. <laughs> um, so where can people find them on April 1st? So, um, well, certainly my, my blog, it has a, a book promotion page. So that's um, thiswomansthoughtlife.com. Um, okay, and, and I'll link be, to that. Yeah. And it'll be in all of the major book retailers, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere you can get it um, online, it'll be available. So pretty widely distributed. So very easy. But yeah, if if you're not sure, you can always just go to my blog and go to the book promo page. I love it. I'm excited. Um, so what are you learning about the character of God right now? Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) So, if I had to narrow it down. 
I know it's a big question. It's a big question. Because I mean, the season of life that I'm in right now, it's like when you go from like your early relationship, you know, you kind of put your best self forward. And then as you get to know each other, then, you know, you start to see the real, the real deal. Right. So I feel like I spent a lot of years with a very surface relationship with God Mm -hmm. um, only because of the way that he was doctrinally presented to me. And I was really angry for a long time about Mm -hmm. some of the things that I wrote about in the book, some of the struggles that I had, because I, I just had this notion that because I was a Christian, I wasn't supposed to go through stuff like that, you know, and there is doctrine out there that does teach that, that Mm. you're not supposed to get sick. You're not supposed to, you know, experience loss or, or suffering. And, you know, what I've learned about God is that, you know, number one, he is not the author of suffering. That was a hard one for me. Um, You know, sovereignty makes you think, okay, he knows everything, so he's causing everything. Mm. And sooner or later, that's going to cause a problem in your relationship with God because then how can you call him a good God, right? Mm. Yeah. So he's not the author of suffering, Suffering is because of us mm-hmm. and because of the evil one. Yeah. And, you know, just recognizing that he, he does understand. Um, there's a reason that he took on flesh. Mm. No one asked him to. Yeah. Why? why (laughs) none of us would do that right if we didn't have to suffer and die um and be humiliated we would never choose that yeah but as the sovereign creator he chose to set that aside and experience humanity so that he could understand suffering Hmm. and the tremendous closeness and trust and intimacy that suffering brings is there's nothing else. There's no other experience I think on earth that can draw you close to God like that. Mm. Unless maybe you're a monk or a nun. I mean, I've I've never been one, but I, I imagine that might be it. But, you know, having gone through all of this and, and leaned on the Lord and seen him um, walk with me and teach me through it and bring people into my life to really minister to me and then give me not just a story, but many stories Mm -hmm. um, to encourage other people. Yeah, he's, he's just, 
he's just awesome. And so I've just been meditating a lot on, I can't remember the scripture reference offhand. I want to say it's in Deuteronomy, um, but where God kind of reveals himself to Moses and, and he says, um, the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, um, you know, long suffering. Um, it talks about how he doesn't let the guilty go unpunished because he is love and he is good. And so because he is just, he will avenge all of the awful things that we're going through um, and the innocent people um, who are being exploited. Um, but for those of us who are walking with him and experiencing just the suffering of being alive, um, there's hope and it's not just after we die. (laughs) Um, it's not just after we die. There's, there's, there's hope for a life of, um, of peace and, um, just contentment that you're his and that mm-hmm. there really isn't anything that can separate you yeah. from his love. There's nothing. Amen. So as we wrap up, was there anything I missed? What final thoughts would you like to leave us with? I thought you missed anything, Jen. Yeah. <laughs> but encourage anybody who's struggling with... Um, whether or not God is good, whether or not God loves you, um, whether or not God cares about what you're specifically going through. Um, he does. He does. Um, I would challenge you to be open, be honest with him about all of it, the anger, the frustration, the sadness, and, and just wait. Um, there's, there's always more that God is saying. Um, we just tend to get impatient and walk away and try and solve it. Yeah. Um, but he is always speaking. He's always, um, working through our lives and through our situations. Um, but we have to, we have to be still enough and open enough to really see, to really perceive it. Um, so that's my prayer is that, um, you know, as I'm trying to do, um, that we will all just learn how to slow down and perceive how God is working in the world and in our lives. So mm, That's perfect. Jema, thank you so much for being on today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I loved that conversation with Jema, and I am sending you lots of love and prayers this week, and I will see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you'd help spread the word. Check back here for new episodes dropping every other Thursday. You can follow along on social media at Collected Ministries.